welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. My name is Katie, and my co-host is Brittany. This week, we will be talking about the movie The Nightingale, which is a beautiful film, but there is some graphic content in it, so we did want to give a listener and viewer discretion advisory. We will be talking about graphic content regarding violence towards women and children and violence in general. So if that is not up your alley, just want to advise you of that. If you are cool with listening to it, here goes the podcast. Uh, hi, I'm Katie. Hi, I'm Brittany. And this is Grindhouse Girls podcast. Woohoo! Yay! Episode two. We're gonna try yes. try to just talk about one movie this time. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how are you, Brittany? How's life? I I'm good, Katie. I'm good. You know, um, we are living in a pandemic, and so we um, I I feel like we are keeping optimistic um on our end. How's things going for you? It's okay. I got to file for unemployment this week. That was exciting. Oh, so. oh goodness! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you just everybody is right now. Well, not everybody, but a lot of people are. So people are. I'm furloughed, so I'm not fired and I have insurance so it's not the worst case scenario um it was just funny everybody at my work is like texting each other like did you file yet did you file yet did you file yet and it's just yeah I don't know uh you have to laugh at it uh but yeah no I'm fine I was filming a baking video all day today so I'm kind of full of baking stuff um (laughs) I got to watch Oh, I watched The Nightingale. I didn't get to watch it for a second time. I meant to, but I did make a lot of notes. Oh, that is the movie we're talking about, by the way, this week. Yes. It's called so, The Nightingale. And it's uh, Jennifer Kent's sophomore debut. Of course, Jennifer Kent is best known for her first movie, The Babadook. Mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. The Babadook. I, it was cute. Not, it wasn't cute. I don't know. It was like... It was like... <laughs> It was like a little movie, <laughs> like like it was nice and compact, and it was like here's a story about this lady and her family, and that's it. And then it was done. And I like this director because she has said she will never do a sequel to that movie or any other movies that she does. And I'm like, good, thank you, because there's nothing worse than seeing a really good horror movie and then seeing a sequel and it's awful, and you're just like. Why didn't you just leave it at the one movie? I don't understand it. So, I mean, we can quote Saw and, uh, was it Paranormal? I didn't even see Paranormal Activity because I thought it looked stupid. I've seen par- I've seen the ending and I've seen parts of it. So I was like, eh. I will see eh. this. I saw the first Paranormal Activity in theaters and I think I was a freshman in college. And it, it did scare the shit out of me. Um, and I think that's the... Movies like that, um, it kind of reminds me of the Blair Witch Project. Not necessarily because it's the found footage. It obviously has that in common. But more, it's just, yeah. um, it scares on a very low budget. Which, I mean, when oh, I it's just jump scares. Writers, yeah. It's just <laughs> jump scares. Whereas the Babadook is, like, trying to say something. The Babadook yeah. is, like, about grieving. Very much like Midsommar, yeah. not Midsommar, Hereditary. It's about mm-hmm. grief and, like, feeding your grief, basically. Yeah. Living, but living it's also about family. Family. and the woman who plays the lead in Babadook, uh, what is her name? I wrote it down. Uh, what is her name? I really Essie Davis, who is in a lot of stuff, but she was in um this really awesome TV show. 
the first season, it was, I don't know if it still is, but was free on Amazon Prime for a while, called uh, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. And huh? it's like a 1920s Australian lady detective. And it's based on some books. But my boyfriend and I stumbled upon it a while ago. And uh, we just was like, this is hilarious. It's like very silly, but it's kind of like Downton Abbey meets like an old fashioned detective show. Yeah. I like it because um, it takes place in the 20s. So it's like everything's yeah. really pretty. And it's in Australia, which I don't know a whole lot about Australia, which is where this movie takes place because yeah. uh, Jennifer Kent is an Australian person. She's from yeah. Australia. <laughs> she's pretty I'm cool to... a... would you recommend this movie before we get into spoilers I'm about to say something very controversial and I'm sure a lot of our people who will turn into this will disagree with me I say it's very controversial but I actually enjoyed the Nightingale more than I did the Babadook oh yeah I think it's a better movie I think the Babadook is more what am I trying to say like more people would see the Babadook because it's not very visceral. It's a uh, more approachable, but the Nightingale is definitely a better-made movie, and it has a lot more production value, and there's a lot more heart into it. I think um, I would definitely recommend it, but I wouldn't recommend it for the faint of heart because the first like fifteen twenty minutes are real rough, and there's a lot of violence. But yeah. it's realistic, and I, I I like that about this director because she refused to take the violence out. Like, apparently people walked out of the theaters when they yes. first saw this movie, and they were like, you need to take all this out. And she's like, nah, because it's realistic. And she had, like, yeah. counselors come in and say, like, is this realistic to what this would be like? And they're like, absolutely, this is very realistic. Well, yeah. So it's, she's not it's trying also- to be gross. It's historically accurate too, and um, so I, I, you know, Americans, we, I, I don't know a lot about Australian history, and this movie actually did cause me to like look up a little bit about Australian history, and you know, this was a period. This movie actually takes place during a period called the Black War, and um, it's something not even most Australian children are familiar with because it's it's kind of a dark time in that history and so this is like what I correct us if we're wrong because neither one of us is from Australia um the reason I brought that up is because Bakerly who plays a uh, Billy in the movie I had seen a very short like three minute interview with him because of course if we're mentioning these actors names I want to make sure I'm pronouncing it right I feel like that's the right thing to do um and he never acted before this movie and he was amazing in it and he, he also hoped- wrote all the music that he sang, by the way. Really? And I yeah, that. that is amazing. I had uh, Gadambar. I'm gonna guess. I'm completely guessing that's his last name. But yeah, he uh, wrote all the Aboriginal music in it. So it's in three languages. It's in English. It's in uh, Aboriginal Palawi uh, Palawakani is the mm-hmm. specific Aboriginal language, and then Gaelic. Which, yeah. uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you. But I guess we'll say, yes, we recommend it. If you want spoilers, keep listening. And, uh, yes. What were you going to say about that gentleman? It was his first movie. Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, oh, you're cutting out. Yeah. It was, oh, what? Oh, oh you're oh. Oh, now you're back. Okay, cool. 
we're still we're um, still recording over Skype, by the way, because uh, pandemic. Yes, exactly. Um, he was a trained dancer, and so I was watching this very short interview he had given, and you know. The- the lady who was interviewing was Australian too. And she goes, you know, I think I remember learning a little bit about this in school, but I mean, what about you? Do you remember learning about this in school? And he's like, Oh, it was something that was taught to me since I was a kid, because this is my people's history. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. Um, that being an Aboriginal man living in Australia, this was something that was ingrained for him to know, but average Australian, it was like something that was touched upon. Um, so right. I guess, what I'm trying to say is this is a very historically not so much talked about in Australia, even though it is a part of Australian history. Okay. You're cutting out a little bit, so I'm trying, I'm like, I'm like, can I edit this? It's okay. It's just okay. it's just I, um anyways, but yes, yeah, so it's uh so it's not something a lot of children get to hear about. That's a thing in, I mean, I think there's probably stuff in America, too, that yes. talk about. Although, like, I, I'm trying to think of something specifically. Okay, um, I can think of something specifically. The, um, oh my god, I forgot the actual name of it. But you, um, you got to watch Watchmen on HBO. And, no, okay. I haven't watched it yet. It's on okay. my list. The um, Tulsa, uh, it was early, oh my god, um, it was in the early, like, I think it was in the 1920s, but there was a Tulsa race riot, and there was a, in Tulsa, oh, yeah. Um, Mississippi, yeah, t- tons, it was an African-American city, and tons of African-Americans were killed um and this just like riot that happened um and so that was something you know when watchmen aired recently a lot of americans were like what this really happened so people were like looking on wikipedia and it was like one of the top hits on wikipedia because a lot of people didn't know that was a thing that even happened in history so the movie's called the nightingale there's a lot of bird imagery both with the main character whose name is claire and billy who's i mean i would call him the other main character he's he doesn't come in until like probably you know a third into the movie but i would call him the second uh character like the protagonist uh, is that the word protagonist it's like protagonist and then like protagonist is that right like the second primary character uh dude is there a term for it i don't even remember i'm just like did i dream this like (laughs) i know antagonist and protagonist i guess okay before i get into music let's let's i i wrote i wrote all the character descriptions down so people know who we're talking about because it's a little confusing because i was going back and forth and trying to remember people and i was like who was this person so there's claire she's an irish convict uh, she's an orphan, she's a mother, she's a wife, she's a singer, and um, she's originally from Ireland, but because uh, Great Britain owned everybody at this point in time, she's in a British penal colony in Australia, and she's married to a man named Aiden, who's, he seems very sweet, but um, he has a bit of a temper, but not like against her, just like he's very protective. And then the antagonist is Lieutenant Hawkins. I'm kind of going like how we met them, by the way. Uh, Lieutenant Hawkins. Um, by the way, the guy who plays Lieutenant Hawkins, who's the antagonist, 
uh, is Finnick in the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. I kept looking at him and I was like, he kind of looks familiar, but kind of not. And he was yeah. also the guy in the wheelchair. And that sounds really bad. I just didn't see the movie because I'm, I like Amelia Clark, but I didn't want to see a depressing movie where obviously he was going to commit suicide at the end or something. I was like, I don't need to see that movie. And I heard like a lot of people, <laughs> but I heard a lot of people didn't like, like in the like wheelchair, like handicap community uh, like, or handicap, however you want to say people who are mobility bound did not like this movie. Oh my all. God. That's a, that's a discussion for a whole yeah. other video. <laughs> but ironically, it was with Amelia Clark who's in Game of Thrones, but then also the girl that plays Claire played Lyanna Stark in Game of Thrones. I was like, oh, that chick. Oh, and I realized she was also in The Fall. She was the babysitter in The Fall, um, which is a really good show, too, with uh, Gillian Anderson. And she's Irish in that because it takes place in Ireland. Um, then there's Billy, who I guess we don't meet him next, but I was like, oh, he should have been further up. But there's Billy, who's an Aboriginal tracker, and he kind of begrudgingly assists Claire. He doesn't like, he's, he's like one of those people that, uh, the people he doesn't like kind of need his help. So he doesn't really want to help them because he's trying to be, you know, separated from them because he doesn't like them because all the English people are killing his family and his friends and everything. And then, um, he realizes Claire is also kind of enslaved. So they become friends. And then there's Sergeant Roos. That's what whose name I couldn't remember. I was like, that guy, the rapey guy, who, um, the guy's name is Damon Harriman. Oh, did I even say their names? Michael Sheesby is Aiden. Uh, Lieutenant Hawkins is Sam Clayfin. And Claire is, I don't know how to say her name because it's, it's Irish. It's as Isleen Franciosi. Yeah, she's, she's Irish-Italian. So the last name, I was like, oh, I get that. But the first name... Irish names are, and I'm part Irish, and I really don't know how to pronounce it, Very, unless you tell me how to pronounce it. But Damon Harriman, who plays uh, Sergeant Rapey Face, as I like to call him, because all he wants to do is rape people, um, was Charles Manson in both Mindhunter and, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I just watched, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god! Yeah. I mean, it's not, he, he's been working a long time. His IMDb list is a I was yeah. like, oh, this man works. Oh my gosh. But basically, he just wants to rape everybody and he's like an asshole. Um, then there's private, I can't remember, they didn't really say his Jago. name, but Jago or Yago. I don't I, really remember how they pronounced it. Yeah. Played by Henry Greenwood, who was in Hacksaw Ridge, who the guy that played Aiden was also in Hacksaw Ridge. And I had no, I didn't really have any interest in seeing Hacksaw Ridge. I saw Flags of Our Fathers and it really scarred me. So I was like, I don't need to see other World War II movies unless they say something different. Anyways, uh, but I felt, I kind of felt bad for this character, kind of. I was very torn. He was like the gray area character because he's a very young private. He doesn't want to hurt anybody, but he's kind of forced to hurt people um, because he he's a soldier and he has to do what he's told. And then my favorite, there's other characters too, but talking like actual like characters that have a plot line eddie the little boy and uh the child's name is charlie shotwell who's been in like five or ten movies like a lot of movies i was like wow this kid has a lot of jobs um he's like a little orphan boy who volunteers to help lieutenant hawkins and he like takes him under his wing and then turns out really badly for this kid 
So uh, that's basically all the characters. But the Nightingale part, there's a lot of bird imagery. And I got really excited during the beginning of the movie because she's, like, walking. They set it up beautifully. She's, like, walking through the woods with her baby. Very, like, vulnerable kind of thing early in the morning. It kind of reminded me of The Witch because, like, it was very, like, misty and, like, isolated and stuff. And she's, like, singing this beautiful song. But she also has a knife in her hand, so you know she doesn't want to mess with it. She Do not mess with her. But the song she's singing is a song that I sang when I was a little kid in a children's chorus called Ainini. And I started singing along with the music because I was like, I know this song. I love it's a re- It's an actual Gaelic folk song. And I had to look up the lyrics because like we sang it in Gaelic and I don't speak Gaelic, but I really, it's a song I really like to sing. And I, I used to have the sheet music and I couldn't find it. But speaking of bird imagery, the whole song is about birds. It's little birds, little birds sleep. Sleep by the wall outside. The blackbirds and the ravens go to sleep, go to sleep. The robin and the lark, the wren and the thrush go to sleep, go to sleep. It's like a really pretty Irish lullaby. And uh, I used to sing it in a children's chorus in Gaelic. And again, didn't have any idea what it was called. Um, <laughs> what, it, I mean, what it meant. I knew what the lyrics were in Gaelic. Um, but they just tell you how to pronounce things when you're in a children's chorus. They don't tell you what they mean. They're just like, yeah, sing this cute little song in French and German and it's just it's very interesting um but I was really excited because I like that I knew that song it's a real song and all almost all the music was actual like folk songs like she sings one called Dainty Davy and that's a Scottish and Irish folk song based on Robert Burns poems and there's a song called Maggie May that's from like Liverpool and apparently the Beatles performed a version of it at some point and uh so pretty much everything was a traditional Except for maybe the song The Nightingale. And then the guy that Billy, who played Billy, uh, Bay Collie, I, I hope I'm saying his name right. I don't know if I can. Please forgive me. But uh, he uh, made up all the Aboriginal songs. It says created and performed. So I don't know if they're actual songs and he knew them or if he made up songs in an Aboriginal language. Not really sure. But, I mean, what do we want to talk about next? Uh, the violence or the, oh, oh I was gonna say wait before we get into violence the bird imagery Billy calls himself um what is uh he calls himself a bird name is it black like blackbird it's blackbird but it's called Magana Magana yes he calls himself the blackbird and it's very like so so she's the nightingale and he's the blackbird and they're like they both want to be free but they're both enslaved by English people very beautiful it's it's lots of imagery i loved it but anyways let's go i guess what do we want to talk about next the uh so i think we should officially get into spoiler territory so hopefully um at this point you guys have already seen a night nightingale or you're pausing this video and you're going to go to hulu where it's currently at and you're going to watch it so it's on hulu right now under adventure movie yes so at this <laughs> point uh hands are off the table we are entering into spoiler territory right now yeah because I feel like the beginning spoils most of the movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a pleasant beginning to a movie. And I mean, I will tell one story. I used to, like, I was hanging out with some friends. And um, they went to watch, when I was, like, in high school. I was pretty young. And they went to watch this movie called, it's the remake of The Hills Have Eyes. 
Oh yeah. And there's a rape scene in it, and I started violently shaking and made them. I didn't. I didn't make them turn off the movie, but they had to turn it off because it was like really disturbing me. But this movie has one, two, three, four, like three, three rape scenes. But, but well, she's raped like four times though. No, Claire's I, raped twice. I because Claire's by the guy, and then two men the second time. So it's in the same scene, but it's two men. Yes. And then there's the other, there's another lady who's kidnapped to get raped once and then twice. So there's at least five, uh, they don't show all of them, but there's many, many rapes in this movie and they're very realistic and they're very, I mean, I, I can't remember if there was music going on or not. It was very, it, it was a pretty quiet movie when people weren't singing. Like, yeah. And I feel like even the way it was filmed, so so rape scenes are very, very hard to watch. And I know a lot of people that if there is a rape scene in the movie, they're they're very triggered. Uh, obviously, you there's reasons people get triggered, and that's completely understandable. But there are people, if there's rape scenes in movies, they will flat out not watch them. I think the reason that this movie was so important in depicting the rape, I know there could be an argument that it advanced the plot. But for me... It really took it to Claire's POV. Like, you're with Claire. Like, you're not, this camera's not focusing on the man doing it or on her and the man. It's literally focusing on her during yeah. the rape. And even the other woman that's raped, is the camera is focused on her. So you're seeing yeah. the true terror, the true pain. You're with them in the moment. And I think that's what's so harrowing about watching this particular movie and the rape scenes in it. And it doesn't. It makes it not feel like it's there for shock value. Like, yeah. sorry, Rob Zombie, but Rob Zombie uses rape for shock value. My opinion. Sorry, Rob Zombie. I'm not a big fan of him because every movie he's in, he throws in rape for no reason. And it'll often, it's a no-name character that you just met. And it's very much like, if you've ever watched canon movies, they basically used to use rape just to show boobs in movies. And, I mean, there was like they're like trashy action movies. Like, they're not good movies at all. But there's an actress called Maria Sirtis, and she was in uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. She's, I don't know, she's always wearing, I can't, Lieutenant Troy, maybe? I think she's the one that marries Jonathan Frakes' character eventually. Oh, spoilers for Star Trek. That happened 20 years ago. Anyways, <laughs> uh, my dad really likes Star Trek, so I've seen a lot of it. But Red Letter Media, which is a show I watch, a, uh, like a review channel that I watch a lot, they told, re- reiterated this story because one of them is obsessed with Star Trek. And they're like, she like was in a rape scene in a canon movie film before she got the job for Star Trek. And like they wouldn't let her put a, sh- a blanket on over her while they were lighting it. Because they're like, I got to see your tits. And sh- it was like real gross. And she like apparently talked about it at a fan meeting for Star Trek and started crying. And she was like, I'm so thankful I don't have to do movies like that. So those kinds of rape scenes where they're yeah. gratuitous just for boobs or sexual content, I hate, I don't like. But if it yeah. serves a purpose to the plot line and puts you in the right perspective, I, I wasn't bothered by this movie, even though it was extremely violent and it yeah. was extremely realistic. Um, I, I think it put you in the place of how women were treated at yeah. this time in peri- in this period, especially in a uh, combat situation. Like, yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, if you were in a civilized country, probably wasn't that 
big of a deal. I would I don't know, but I didn't yeah. live in the eighteen hundreds. But it was more rare. But if you're in war, like think about like the Civil War. Uh, war makes people do some terrible things, not just murdering people. But a bunch of these men like haven't seen a woman forever, and it's not an excuse, but they think it's okay to just rape somebody because yeah. they haven't had sex in forever, which is really yeah. gross. And it's not all of the soldiers are like that. There's so the lieutenant who whose power. He holds power over Claire because he's the person that's supposed to sign her papers to say, yeah, you're free. You can leave Australia or go wherever you need to go. Her husband already has papers. She's waiting for her papers. They're both waiting. He is an asshole. And he rapes her because he's jealous because he's kind of has been taking care of her, keeping her from... I guess, being treated more roughly because, you know, a lot of people did physical labor and she's just doing, like, maid work and singing. So she really has it. You can see the other women in the show. She has a friend, I think Luddy, and her friend's really nice, but there's the other lady that's, like, her boss who obviously hates her because she thinks she gets special treatment because she kind of does. But, I mean, that doesn't excuse it, but I'm just saying, like, she's getting special treated because this guy likes her and wants something out of her. She didn't do anything... He just wants her, and he's jealous because she got married to a convict and not him, I guess. So he gets really jealous. She goes to ask for her papers, and he's like, "Um, no, and I'm going to rape you. And then she doesn't tell her husband because she doesn't want him to attack him. Yeah. I mean, he's a good husband. Um, This movie is a very interesting movie because um, Jennifer Kent made a very political statement in the most quiet way possible. Um, I feel like when she made this movie, when she made, um, when she decided to depict scenes of sexual violence, which we don't often see without any kind of criticism, and of course this movie received its fair share of criticism, but also how women and people of color were treated in the 1820s, and of course how this debate is still going on to this day about women's rights and how people of color are treated. So I thought it was very interesting that this movie takes place in the 1820s, but how many parallels there is to today's culture, too. Um, yeah. And she's, she's never come out and said that. Um, but I feel like it's something that can very much be taken away from this film, too. Yeah, it's very... And I think that's one of the reasons why they have the imagery of, like, birds. Because, I mean, has any? I mean, everyone's heard of the book, like, I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. It's oh, like, yeah. Very powerful book. Great. And also, I'm pretty sure it also has rape in it as well. Like, my it's been a long yeah. time. It's been a long time since she I read was, that book. She but, was raped as a child. Um, yeah. And she, and I believe it was her uncles that killed her rapist. And she didn't speak for years because of the shame that came yeah. with that. So. So, I mean, like, there's a lot of bird, there's a lot of bird parallels because women were, in a, well, Claire is actually enslaved because she's a convict, and I mean, I, I mean, being a convict is a, she stole like bread or something. Like she stole food. It's kind of like uh, Jean Valjean in Les Mis. It's not like she like violently hurt somebody, and that's why she's in a penal colony. She she's just like Jean Valjean because he was also in a penal colony. That's how the the play starts. I just thought of that. Sorry, uh, and I think this was. A similar time. It's actually before that uh, thing. No, no, same time period. Yeah. Yeah, close. Close to the same time period. 
Because it was in like the Regency period, so after Napoleon, which was the late 1700s. So yeah, so this is like similar to, um, it's a little after Les Mis time period. But she's at a penal colony because she stole some food. Just like, she's Jean Valjean, only a woman. And then uh, Billy, his whole, oh, I got real bothered the whole time. Um, so there's Billy, who's a tracker, and he helps Claire. And then there's Charlie, who's not his actual uncle, but he calls him Uncle Charlie because he's like a like a friend. He's an older gentleman who's a friend, and he's also a tracker, and he's helping uh, the bad people. And I felt real annoyed. It was like when I watched, I'm, I mean, I know I'm a white person, and I can't say that much about racial slurs, but something just real bothers me when people call people that are older than them but a different race boy yes i'm like he's an adult man yes stop calling him boy it's so disrespectful it's bringing that it's bringing even subtleties like that so when you're looking at claire and when you're looking at the way these aboriginal people are treated it's a total disregard for human rights and just human respect um because you see obviously with claire being raped i feel bad i forgot the other uh the aboriginal woman who's raped but you see that with her because I, I can't remember her name. I don't even know if they say her name, honestly. She probably uh, said her name, but it was a yeah. lot of it was when action was happening and I was more paying attention to what was happening to her. That but, was really depressing. But you see that, you see, you see that uh, spoiler alert, but it's bound to happen because the only other thing more um more abysmal than the rape scenes is emphasized. Um Claire's infant oh, yeah. is killed. Um, a, a toddler is left in the woods. We don't. We do not learn the fate of the toddler that's yeah. left in the woods. I feel yeah. like somebody found him though, because yeah. he wasn't with the men. I feel like, and he lived in the like he lived there. So I feel like, hopefully, he was found. Yeah. yeah. The infanticide, which I was looking up the director, and apparently one of her first like film jobs. She worked in television a lot, but one one of her first film jobs was working with Lars von Trier. Because she saw dancing or dancer in the dark, mm-hmm. uh, that Bjork movie, mm-hmm. and um, I was I made a note maybe that's where she got the baby murder, a la Antichrist. Because I've seen the I haven't seen all of Antichrist. I've been like yeah. working. I really want to see it. It's just like I was like, oh, uh, uh. It, it, another it, movie. Yeah, probably it's talk a about. Lot. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, but I've seen the beginning scene where basically I feel like the baby crawls out a window. Yes, so yeah, yeah. and that's the baby. baby crawls out a window, which is yeah. very sad. But uh, but it's Lars von Trier, oh, I don't even know how I feel about Lars von Trier. I've seen a lot of reviews of his movies, and I want to watch more of his movies, but he also bothers me because he's one of those people that does like to do things for shock value. Yes, he and does. And he says he's saying something intelligent, but... Is he, or is he just, like, the whole nymphomaniac, he didn't want to have simulated sex scenes. So, like, Shia LaBeouf, by the way, is in Nymphomaniac. He is. And, uh, the big, like, it was almost like a gimmick, like, ooh, they're not simulated sex, they're actually having sex. And people are like, oh, I want to see this movie where they actually have sex. And and there's another movie called Love by uh, Gaspar Noé who d- that does the same thing, which, there's also, uh, for my sensitive audience people cover your ears but there's like a a an ejaculation shot scene where and it actually happens and i'm like i don't i don't know if i want to just sit down and watch that but um yeah. spawn does a lot of violence but jennifer kent 
I don't feel like she's doing it to shock people. I feel like yeah. she's doing it to tell a story. And she does quietly make a statement about violence towards people of color and people like and females and just society in general, people who are downtrodden and treated ill by society in general. But I think that's the, in my opinion, I like people that quietly like say their piece, make a statement without like screaming. Like I'm, I have different opinions than other people and I like talking about them nicely. Uh, I don't like the people that on both sides of political spectrums that are just screaming at the top of their lungs. I'm like, I don't hear you because you're yelling and you don't listen to the other person. Like, I'm very much like, let's just have a talk. Let's all like come to a middle ground. And I think the way she's telling this story brings a lot of things to the surface. And I'm sad that this movie wasn't recommended more like I heard about it but I feel like the only reason I heard about it was because I like to watch like movie channels and I read like movie gossip and stuff you know like I was like oh what is the Nightingale Ooh, yeah. what is that movie and then I was like oh that's the girl from Game of Thrones I think you're the one that said it was Lyanna Stark and I was like oh I'm like, she's good in Game of Thrones so I'm telling our viewers, I had told Katie this a couple of weeks ago when we, when we were first getting together and talking about this project that we are currently talking on. Um, I said, we were talking about the Nightingale and I was like, oh my God. So I said, uh, as soon as I found out Lionel Stark had been cast for the sixth season, I was like, what the fuck? Like, let me find out who's playing her. And I started following Isley Franc- Franciosi when she had like maybe 2000 followers. And so I kept seeing her press for the Nightingale I had no idea until a couple weeks ago that Jennifer Kent was the director. I just had no idea. I was like, oh, okay, she's going to be in a movie called The Nightingale. Like, so. I didn't hear Jennifer Kent's name never came up until I watched the movie and looked up on IMDb. And I was like, oh, it's the same. It's the lady who did Babadook. Because, yeah. like, she hasn't done a lot of – she's very selective, which I – it's like Daniel Day-Lewis. Selective actors and directors. Like – some directors will do any project that comes to them and other directors are like, nah, I really want to wait for the right one. And she actually wrote and directed and produced this movie. She didn't just direct it, she wrote it. Which I usually is red flag for me that I'm not going to like it because a lot of times I call it a triple threat when you write, direct, and star in your own movie because, and not in a good way, it's a bad way most of the time. You've got your rooms. Yeah. uh, some Mel Gibson movies, uh, Mel Gibson can direct himself. I, don't, I mean, Mel Gibson nowadays is kind of crazy. But way back when, when he wasn't a crazy asshole who was uh, anti-Semitic, when he wasn't an anti-Semitic asshole, you know, he could write and direct himself occasionally. And it was like, oh, okay. But most of the time, it's a bad, bad, bad sign when you I see think, especially a small movie. Because I people, think- it's a blind thing. Yeah. You don't I think see a- your faults. We had a theater professor, I think, that actually referred to it as incest in filmmaking. Um, when you're married to your <laughs> vision. Who said that? Yeah. That? Which, Tammy? which professor was it? Tammy? Tammy. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I didn't see that. It's like when you're, when you marry all these ideas, there's really no room to breathe because you're so wrapped up in how you see it that you cloud your own vision, essentially, is what happens. So... We did a lot of, I mean, we went to theater school, but our school, I mean, I guess we can say what school we went to. I don't want to dox us, but we live in Alabama, and uh, we went to Montevallo, which is a tiny, 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 tiny 
little, I guess not as tiny as it used to be, but it's a really tiny, really old uh, liberal arts college in the middle of Alabama. It's literally the middle of the state. And um, it's a very strange little place. But it's homecoming tradition is writing and directing your own musicals competitively. It's competitive musical theater. And it's all in the same school. It's like a football rivalry. But it's the same. It's people from the same school fighting each other. It's, it's. I love and, and hate it. And kids, we've been in Jeopardy question like three times now because we actually have the oldest homecoming tradition in the country too. Transformation of America. But yeah. but what? But we've done a lot of original theater. Uh, both. I. It's called College Night. In College Night, I was in three and artistic directed a fourth one so i was involved in four of those and then we also had something called the white cardigan club which is like it's i think it's a national thing where they it's like a playwright club for like mm-hmm. students and i've been in shows where the writer was the director yeah. and the show i was in in particular and on my side the side that was producing the show uh, the show was about a little girl and it was the past four seasons of her life. And it was like spring, summer, winter, fall were all actual characters. And it was a very weird show, but it was my first show in that capacity. And I was really excited about it. I liked my part. I was like bitchy Regina George character and I loved every second of it. Um, but it was, it was a weird show. And at the end of the show, she's like, this was, these were the last four seasons of my life. And everyone else in the audience thought she had died at the end (laughs) and none of us saw it because we were in the show and we all knew she didn't die yeah why did she die at the end and i was like it's like it's like oh shit that took a real dark turn there (laughs) i was really confused because i was like did what do you mean why did she die and i was like she did it and so like from my experience, it's not, you need outside people, but some people like Jennifer Kent, and I can't think of another one that I actually like, but like Jennifer Kent can write and direct her own stuff. Although I'm glad she doesn't star in it because I think that's where you start getting into bad, when you're doing too many things at once, I just don't think you can give all your energy to uh, like the like the direction or you're just stretched too thin. Yeah. Um, but no, it's it's very, it's it's very well, and she I I like that she wrote and directed it because it's very personal. It's kind of like, well, this is going to be controversial, but Lin Manuel Miranda, I think he's a really good writer. His <laughs> everyone's going to hate me because my sister I said this to her once, and she was like, "How dare you besmirch the name of Lin Manuel Miranda?" I don't dislike him as a person. I, I think he's a really good writer and he's a really good performer with music, but his acting is a little lackluster in my personal opinion. And I watched a bootleg copy of Hamilton because somebody, I'm someone put it on YouTube and I stayed up until three in the morning watching it because I was like, someone is going to take this off YouTube because he won't, he is, they have taped Hamilton like three or four years ago. They won't release it until 2021 at the earliest, which is BS because now we're all in pandemic and like I, let us watch it. I we'll love Emmanuel. I love Emmanuel Miranda and I love uh, Hamilton the play. But I will as 
I will say this, and this will be my piece on it. If I want, if I was to be cast as any character in that show, which I'm not a singer, God bless me. Um, but I would want to be Burr. Like I'm just like, oh, Burr is more interesting. Oh, Burr is Burr is so cool and phenomenal, and I just think he gets some of the best songs in the musical too. Um, yes, so. but. And that actor's gotten a lot of work since then. He was like a uh, the nationwide commercial. I was like, what are you doing? Just see that nationwide is commercial. Is Leslie, okay. Old- Leslie Oldham yeah, is that? Leslie Oldham Jr. Well, yeah. so I was watching it. And again, I'm sorry. I watched, I'm sorry. I watched the bootleg copy. I did not upload it. And I don't live in New York City, so I didn't have access to it. But I'm watching it. And Lin-Manuel Miranda has two acting. He has annoying loud boy and angry and he doesn't really have a sad or anything in between he doesn't have he doesn't have a variety and it's not I'm not saying that he's a bad actor because there's some people that like Keanu Reeves he can do one thing and if you cast him in the right role Keanu Reeves is perfectly passable but if you cast him in the wrong role he's not and Lin-Manuel Miranda doesn't have a lot of nuance to his acting style so for me I want that because the the play's about Alexander Hamilton I was kind of like okay I just see Lin-Manuel Miranda I don't really see Alexander Hamilton but okay because I love history by the way like I'm a real big history buff 1776 is one of my favorite musicals I can't wait till I eventually get to do it I got cast in it and then they canceled the show last year so I'm real sad right now but um I really want to do it but the honestly, the better characters were the women in Hamilton performances. Uh, and then my favorite character, well, not my favorite, I think Eliza and her sister were my favorite characters. But, um, the guy that played George Washington, oh, god, shop him in New York what? City. Uh, oh my god, what is his name? Christopher, Christopher Jackson. He is one like the nicest dude ever, and I only didn't get to sing. In- their birthday not gonna say their name but okay Anyways, what I was really trying to say is uh, Jennifer Kent is very good at writing and directing, whereas some people stretch themselves too thin. Um, And we're going to try to wrap this up in, like, another, like, 20 minutes. So, uh, let's (laughs) see. Did you have another point you want to talk about, Brittany? Yeah. um, I actually would like to talk about a few scenes in this movie because um, I don't know if you feel this way about movies, but every time I watch a new movie – there will usually, if I enjoy the movie, and I did enjoy The Nightingale, um, there will always be one or two scenes that always just stick out to me. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and they're the scenes that when I'm like talking to a friend and I'm trying to tell them about this movie and I'm trying to be spoiler free, but I'm just like, well, you just have to watch this one scene and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I don't name names. Um, but one of the scenes that stuck out to me is that, um, so you have Claire, um, and to give a kind of recap of what Katie had said earlier, Claire, um, tries to get her papers. Um, she gets raped. Her husband goes to the guy, um, to, um, God Hawkins and asks for the papers. Hawkins turns him down. Um, he gets drunk that night, as in Claire's husband Aiden does. He goes gets in the fight. They decide they're going to run away in the middle of the night. That doesn't happen. Hawkins goes there. Um, he rapes Claire. Um, Jago, who is like his um, his private, he screams at him over and over to try to quiet the baby. And in panic, he kills the baby. Um, yeah, Claire's not. Yeah. He tries not to kill the baby. That's why I have a yeah. great idea yeah. with him because yeah. he tries not to kill the baby, but the baby won't shut up. And he th- he literally throws the baby against a wall. And it is, it was less violent than I thought it was going to be, yeah. but it was still really jarring. I go mean, it was, it was awful. But you know, and the thing is, if you can go into this movie blind, I think it's awful. But if you kind of go into this movie with a very base of like, oh, emph- I don't mean to sound like, oh, God, emphasize isn't awful because it absolutely is and traumatizing to see in any form of art mm-hmm. or media. Um, but I, my worst fears was like this baby's head was going to be bashed or something. And yeah, I thought so, it was going to happen. Like, I don't need to see that. But also they have fontanelle, so they probably just hit him too hard in the fontanelle. And that's what I always, I'm just like, in my head, I can rationalize it. Okay, that's a rag doll that he just froze against the wall in that scene. And yeah, and I'm I'm like, okay, I can like live with this. Like not in the context of the movie, but you know, and what's happening. So of course this, 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 this throws into action Claire's revenge plot. And I think there's this very um, nuance. It's almost like this, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's, it begins her journey. And at the beginning of her journey, she is absolutely rageful. Like she is living, eating, breathing, sleeping to get her revenge on these men. Um, and she hires Billy, Billy's Aboriginal man who becomes her tracker to get her to, cause she's it basically, there's a race against time to, um, stop Hawkins from getting this promotion. Anyway, yeah, this is all going to the because he got denied it because mm-hmm. there's a there's a guy who's not an asshole. He's kind of an asshole, but there's a higher ranking officer and I don't remember I didn't write his name down, but he is visiting and that's why the Nightingale performs and he figures out that Hawkins is raping people and uh, his assistants are drunks and they're really rude to women and they're just terrible men. And so he's like you're not getting a promotion. So he tries to race to the next p- town, mm-hmm. which is through the jungle or the forest. I don't know really what they call it in yeah. Australia. It's more tropical than America. So, but through the woods, we'll just say the, through the woods. They're into the woods. Yeah, uh, they have to go through the woods by a certain like in like three days, something crazy where it usually takes like five days, but they have to go the dangerous way to get there. So she's trying to catch up to them before they get there. And that's where at least the scene where Katie had touched upon earlier, where they find an Aboriginal woman, her toddler. Um, they kidnap the Aboriginal woman, leave the toddler, a little boy, just in the woods, and they take her and they rape her. And so the next morning, they're like tying her essentially to like the wagon or one of the horses, and the tribe of men come and find her. A fight ensues, and uh, Yago, who is the young private that throws Claire's daughter against the wall, he gets injured, he runs away. 
well, Claire catches up to him. And to me, this is a scene that, when I think of this movie, like, everyone brings up the rape. Um, and this is the scene that really just stuck with me, and I think it was harrowing. Um, we have talked about how realistic the violence is in this movie. And uh, Claire, uh, Yago, or Jago, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong, he's already injured. And he essentially begs for his life. And she stabs him. And when she stabs him, it's like you see each knife, each stab of the knife, and uh, it just enters his body. And it's a very and really good sound. The sound yeah. is, yeah, uh, it, was, it was the queasiest part of the movie for me. Everything else I was kind of, okay, yeah, rough, but okay. And then I was just like, oh, she's really going for it. Yeah. And I mean, doesn't she like smash his face in too? She does, she, she takes, and I think that's the scene that's just, like, absolutely, I could feel, like, I realized when I was watching this, I had caught my breath, and I was holding it, because she takes, yeah. like, the blunt of the gun and, like, smashes his face, and when it happens, he smashed her face with it, too, she yeah. knocked her out with the same gun, so, yeah. you know, exactly, just... but when it happens, his face, his face, like, ricochets, and his eyes dull, and he says, "Mother." And it just when you 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 know you yeah he he says, "Mother," and when you study history and all throughout history and time, you hear these stories about men die on the battlefield and they cry out for their mom when they're dying, and you see Claire, you see Claire break down when he says that, but she does deliver the final blow to him. And kills him. And I sit there and I think about that scene. Because I don't know what Isley was feeling as an actor in that scene. But all I could think about is like. This man killed her child. But she's essentially killing another woman's child. And yeah. there is. I mean, such a, yeah. There's Which, such a power to that scene. Yes. And then also Billy has no idea why he's helping her, by the way. He starts out helping her. She says, oh, I need to go catch up to my husband. So he thinks this guy is her husband and that she's caught up to him. And then she starts murdering him in front of her, or murdering him in front of him, yeah. in front of uh, Billy. And he's just like, what the hell's going on? But he ends up sticking with her, like, because they start talking about, they start talking in their own native tongue and, like, singing songs. And they're like, oh, we're in the same predicament. We're both... English slaves, basically, yeah. because English enslaved a lot of people for a long time. Yeah. And uh, we're both in the same boat. So he decides to help her instead. And uh, the other thing about the whole mother thing, too, was they, a lot of movies wouldn't do this, but she's a young mother, her child. Honestly, I was kind of confused because the baby looked like they were like at least. 15 16 months old like they were well over a year old but she was still nursing her oh, and, and uh, they actually sorry but to continue that oh, okay. thought, so in poor in poor countries and back in the day um mothers would often nurse their children to two or three um just because they could be providing a food source and because resources right. so, are scarce yeah. yeah i was gonna say that i was like probably people were nursed longer because she wasn't very rich. So mm. probably was easier to not feed her. Uh, what was I trying to say? Oh, you were talking oh. about nursing. So she's still nursing her, which again, I was like, oh, she's kind of old, but it, it makes sense way back then. Anyways, 
she's nursing her and a lot of movies would have the baby die and oh the mom's just emotionally sad but she's also emotionally in pain but she's physically in pain because yeah. nobody talks about the fact that when you're nursing and you can't nurse it's physically painful to not nurse like it is really hard to stop because I mean you can't just tell your body oh I don't have to nurse anymore it's actually physically painful and I it was realistic because nobody ever talks about that whenever you have movies where a baby dies they don't talk about that shit they're just like oh yeah no don't worry about it but I mean like she's like leaking all over the place which is like the most embarrassing thing and also like so sad because she's like she can't nurse her kid and she actually physically gets in so much pain she like passes out at one point yeah because it is really painful to not nurse so a lot of people like the one thing all my friends when they had kids are like oh man, breastfeeding is like the, like not the worst thing, but it's just, it's a lot of pain associated with it that you don't understand until you have a kid. So I appreciated that not only was she being realistic, like this is what would happen. She's trying to do this mission, but she also has a physical thing that's going to get in her way. It's kind of like how people always like forget about like, like apocalypse dramas. Like they forget to talk about like uh, periods. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's like like people that wear contact lenses and things. I always like I'm like I wear contact lenses and I'm a woman. I'm always like if I was in The Walking Dead, would I just have to wear my glasses? And what do you do about tampons? What yeah. they don't talk yeah. about that shit. But she did cuz she's a woman and she's not afraid to talk about the fact that it's not just emotionally painful, but it's physically painful. And it was a like, nice juxtaposition. Like, she couldn't even move past losing her yeah. child because yeah. her body's going to remind her of that for a long time. And then well, Billy ends up helping her out by, like, you know, I don't know if anyone's heard of, like, the cabbage leaf thing where people, like, put cabbage leaves on them to stop them from having a nurse. But it was basically, like, that kind of trick with herbal stuff. So, I mean, it's I thought it was a nice touch that they didn't have to do, but I thought it was, it made it more realistic and something people probably wouldn't think about. Yeah, and I thought another thing pertaining to Claire's baby that they never we never know the name of the baby. Um, but pertaining yeah, to Claire's I feel like baby, she said it, but I couldn't find it. I feel like she called. I feel like she said her name to her husband. Like if I lost you and whatever the baby's name was, it, but I I couldn't. I tried to yeah. look it up, and I didn't feel like sitting through three rape scenes again to yeah. figure out what the baby was. And so. I thought she had like a pet name for her like you know like she called her her sweetheart or something among those sentiments but I can't remember actual name um but she has this PTSD um and the the one time I could really feel like Jennifer Kent's signature is that PTSD nightmares and those are very Babadook-ish scenes to me that's where I'm like okay I could see this being the same director um other than very similar themes in both movies but Claire hears the crying of her baby and the idea I think of as a mother not being yes. able to comfort your baby I think is something very traumatic and the the thing is, is um I feel like you see Claire at her weakest during these things too when she can hear the baby's crying and she's there's nothing yeah. she can do about it so she has a lot of nightmares too which I thought was interesting I don't know did not to okay so generally speaking I really like this movie but I had some critiques. It wasn't perfect. Especially, I didn't really... The the nightmares were... I just kind of thought they weren't completely necessary. They didn't feel 
the way they were filmed didn't film right in the context of the film. Yeah, and also it's a very realistic movie, and then all of a sudden she's having nightmares, and it gets a little weird. And Baba Duke does that too, where she has a lot of maybe it's just Jennifer Kent likes this, I don't know. But there's a lot in Babadook where she you can't figure out if she's dreaming doing something terrible or actually doing something terrible. Yeah. And I was really confused. I was like, is this happening? But then she like saw her dead husband. I was like, oh, okay, or not. But the other thing was the ending kind of went on a little too long. It was yeah. like, so so they she kills Yago, Jago, the private. And then, so they're still left with Uncle Charlie, who's a good guy, but he's having to lead Lieutenant Hawkins and Sergeant Bruce, the rapey guy. Yeah. And then the little boy, Eddie, who, like, there are a bunch of, like, creepy guys that decided to help them. And so the little boy's like, oh, oh, I'll help you out. And the lieutenant at first is, like, showing humanity, like, kind of being really nice, this little boy. And then he starts telling him, like, about... Like, basically telling him, like, it's okay to shoot people, and it's okay to rape people, and that's all okay, son. And you're like, oh, no, this is not good. He's, like, grooming him to become an asshole. And, like, a terrible person, too. And then, so, she's still stalking them. They're a couple of days behind them. And then, they they catch up to them. There's a confrontation. Uh, they He kills Uncle Charlie because Uncle Charlie is like, y'all are a bunch of rapists. And I'm going to lead you into nowhere. And he leads them yep. to the middle of nowhere and, like, laughs hysterically at them. It was kind of like if you've ever seen Mandy, like, the scene in Mandy when she's laughing at that guy's tiny dick. It was like he's just laughing hysterically. And they kill him. And it's really sad that they kill him. But I love that he went out swinging. Like, he tricked their asses. Yeah. It was great. I was like, ah, I love Uncle Charlie. Um, But to, they kill Uncle Charlie. And the little boy is really like, oh, that was awful. And they... Are tr- somehow Billy and Claire get separated and Billy's uh, with them like they kidnap him and basically the little boy is told to shoot him and mm-hmm. he can't so then Lieutenant Hawkins kills him so we're just left with Lieutenant Hawkins and the bad guy and Claire and Billy run off and then this is the part I didn't like that all was okay even though it was kind of getting like a little running on but I was like okay well this is leading to something big then Claire finds them in the town. They make it to the town. He gets his promotion. She confronts him in front of a bunch of other soldiers. And she sings a song and talks about how much of an asshole he is. And she just leaves. And I was like, but then she, nothing else happens. And I was like, okay, is that it? Is that the end? Okay, that was an end. I was like, oh, it's kind of anticlimactic, but maybe yeah. more realistic. Okay. But then they have another ending where Billy paints on aboriginal war paint and goes and murders everybody and then he gets shot and then he and claire escape to the ocean where she sings a song as he's like dying on a beach but very peacefully so they're both free but it's just like there were a lot of it was like they could have ended the movie five different times and i was just like i feel like she should have picked one of those endings and went with it it was a little it ran on it got kind of boring i feel like I feel like it did. It it the runtime is extensive on this movie, so we're talking about like a two hour and fifteen minute movie. Um, so I would agree with that. But what I liked about the ending, and I know what you're saying, you're like, okay, it could have ended here, but it could have ended here. What I like about that though is that when we're looking at this movie as Claire's journey, she starts off being very rage, rage, rageful. 
And then after she kills Jago and after she becomes closer to Billy, she is not completely healed, but in a way she is healed by his friendship, um, which sounds yeah. really corny, but I, there's no other way to for me to really put it. She's kind of healed by this person that has a very incredible likeness to her. Like they have nothing in common, but they both are they struggling with it. Yeah. They are both struggling it's, with this PTSD. So what? Not cute. It's just, I said it's cute, but I was just like, it's, I don't know. It's sweet. It, it's like, it's, they both, Billy, it's not even like a sexual thing. Like he yeah. does obviously care about her. At one point they're laying at a fire and he's, he, I think holds her hand or something. Yeah. It, it doesn't be sexual though. He just sees in her a kinship and she sees in him a kinship and he takes on her problem. Yeah. But he's also serving himself because he finds out when he's with her that his whole tribe that he was going to go meet up with, they're all gone. His whole yeah. family's been murdered already. He, they run into some other people and they tell him some other Aboriginal people. And they're like, oh, no, your whole he's like, oh, my family's from here. And they're like, oh, all those people are dead. And he's yeah. really upset. So it's he's kind of getting them both freedom by killing them. And it's more of symbolic because he's not really getting freedom, but by uh, helping her he's you know he restoring kind of, some kind of glory to himself and his family he's taking yeah. it back for them too and i feel like he takes on a little bit of her rage because claire and this is i mean this is a very controversial opinion but claire in a way because of her relationship with billy she takes the high road and kind of in a way like she's still like you know shane's hawkins in front of his superiors and stuff but she is like you know and when she sings that Gaelic song, it's kind of like she um, is saying, like, you know, I, I'm not going away. Like, my legacy and the my country's legacy will last long beyond what you could ever do to us. We're going to go back to my, the, the very, we were talking about the ending of the Nightingale. And so I'm going to circle back to that real, real quick um, to wrap Last up and let you wrap up, you two. Was you were talking about how she took the high ground. yeah. And that's exactly, so Claire essentially, with that ending, and I know you were talking about what I liked about the ending, I do agree with the runtime is, is a little, it's a lot, like, like we had talked about, it's about a two hour and 15 minute movie, and um, I don't know, I, I couldn't imagine what would be cut, but I mean, I understand what you're talking about, the ending does feel a little long, you feel like there's multiple ways it could wrap up. What yeah. I do like about the ending, though, is that Claire essentially takes, I feel like, after she kills Jago and after her relationship with Billy kind of flourishes into this, like, I'm, I don't want to say like, it's a, it's a buddy movie, but I mean, it's, it's, it's the closest <laughs> I've ever seen to a horror movie. Of a movie. movie. Yeah. It's like a buddy movie, but yeah. rape. Exactly. And violence. Yeah. But after this relationship, she I feel like, and I, I guess you see this too in the movie, she kind of gets a protectiveness over Billy, and I think it's because it's yeah. what she has left. And so, well, and she's in she an awkward, she's in an awkward position because when people don't know that she's a convict, they just assume she's a white lady, and at the time, uh, the class system was completely out of whack, so she feels very yeah. protective because there's a scene where she and Billy run into a group of white men with uh, men, black men in chains, so enslaved men. And uh, she has to act like she, like Billy's her slave, and she's like holding a gun to his head. But when yeah. you have to protect somebody 
like you don't i don't know it's just sad it's just upsetting and like like there was a time in the world where like if you were white and you weren't a racist you had to like almost pretend to be a racist to you protect to your friends. you had to keep your head down you had to keep your head down because That's going against sad. the grain was something that could potentially kill your it could get you killed and could get your family killed and so a lot of people were put in this place where it's like do you take care of yourself and your family or do you do what's better for the sake of humanity um and it's just and i guess really we could sad. argue that she doesn't have a family anymore so maybe that's why she's acting like that but i, I don't think so that way. i feel that way i really do i feel like she um over the course of the events of the movie she feels such a kinship with billy that she does see him as her family and there's a lot of different things that allude to extended family especially with billy and Ab aboriginal people and charlie like you said like he's aboriginal he's not really his uncle but because they have a kinship together he calls him his uncle and in a way i feel like there's a kinship with claire and they bond together and so claire feels protectiveness over him which brings me to the climax of the movie so claire at this point she has she takes the high role she confronts hawkins um but she leaves and so her and billy are resting with the scene Katie was talking about earlier where Billy holds her hand. They're resting in the woods. And it, it alludes back to this earlier moment in the movie where, you know, they're talking about bad men. And Claire essentially says something like, what do you do? And he's like, we kill them. Because, you know, there is, you can't change them. You kill them. Yeah. And I feel like, in a way, Billy takes the revenge. Like, he's not just taking his revenge. He's taking Claire's revenge. And he yeah. kills Hawkins, he kills Ruse. And that is, there's all these different elements to this yeah. movie. Um, but that's the main thing is that there's this, it's, it shows, it shows, I think there's this great conundrum or this great, great question about who was right. Was Claire right to take the high road or was Billy right to do what he did? Although I, I think it ends, so it ends, Billy's been, sh so while he's killing the two bad the two guys that are left over roos and hawkins he gets shot in the stomach which is never a good thing especially yeah. back then it's possible you could survive it back then because the bullets were just just hit you so maybe he's gonna be okay but it doesn't really tell you that he is it doesn't tell you that he doesn't die on screen so we can pretend whatever we want to pretend um but basically they run off with her horse that oh the other thing she had a horse and it was like her husband worked a really long time to get this horse and so she keeps like having to bring her horse along too and that was kind of sweet i like horses so <laughs> i mean she likes horses but uh i used to we lived next we lived in kentucky when i was a little girl and we lived next to a horse farm so i used to ride horses when i was like a teeny tiny child so i, I can still ride them without falling off what I said I just love animals, and I wonder subconsciously oh, yeah. that's another issue with the Babadook. Is a spoiler they kill the dog, and I'm oh, just yeah, like, that, yeah, I don't like that part. I like to pretend that was just a just a vision, and it didn't actually happen. But yeah. so, but they end they end the movie on the beach. She's singing a song to Billy as he's kind of laying there injured, but they're both at peace. Yeah. And it's very, it's nice, because both of them have been struggling this entire movie to find freedom, to find peace, and they're both orphaned, and don't have families, but they're their own family now, and I mean, I don't, I really hope Billy does survive, because I don't want Claire to be left alone again, Yeah. but 
they don't tell you either way. They just kind of, they're both sitting on the beach and the sun's rising and they're at peace with whatever happens. And it was, it was a very good ending. I kind of think maybe they're just going to wait there until they caught up with them, honestly. Um, but it was good. And it just, I was just, it, it was a little meandering. I wish it was a little bit more to the point, like maybe less, maybe cut down the walking through the woods thing. Cause even though like they were bonding, and that was nice. Like, their relationship was very good. The two actors did a good job. Because they don't like each other at the beginning. They're, But it wasn't, like, that silly thing where people just hate each other for no reason. Like, he thinks she's a stuck-up English lady. And she's annoyed because he keeps calling her English. She's like, no, I'm Irish. And she's just angry. But she's also lying to him. Yeah. The whole time. And then when she finally opens up and she's like, this is what actually happened. He's like, okay, I'm here for it. That's fine. They do bond, but I feel like maybe they could have either taken out the nightmares part. Yeah. You know, I feel like that would have been okay. Um, but yeah, so we're going to watch the Vavitch and see if we like it. Um, and <laughs> if you haven't seen the Vavitch and you want to watch it before we review it, uh, it'll be the next episode. Uh, it was on Netflix. I think it's still on Netflix. Okay. I want to say. Or maybe Hulu. Netflix. It's definitely on the streaming. It's near Netflix or Hulu because I remember thinking like, oh, the witch is on here. So the witch yeah. is here. So it's got like a it either will have the name or it'll have like a little goat on it if you're trying to find it. Black Philip. Um, it came out a couple years ago and it's a it's a a, a premiere for this director. So it was his first movie. So Okay, and we have really- to We'll, we'll talk about this in uh, tomorrow's episode, but I do have to bring it up that um, David Eggers, who directed The Vich, is, uh, he was a theater kid. And because of that, his attention to detail is incredible. Like, it's, I feel like it's a good thing to do right after Nightingale because they're both, his, I, I wanted to talk about them both at the same time, but I knew we would run out of time because we've yeah. already run out of time and we only talked about the Nightingale. But um, <laughs> they're very similar and they're both about, a female character in an oppressive society. Um, And they have immense attention to detail, especially with language, because uh, like they actually speak in Gaelic and I don't know, I'm not fluent in Gaelic, but I I've sang in Gaelic enough to recognize it. It's a weird thing when you sing in children's choruses and you sing, I used to sing classical. I was like classically trained by my voice teacher in high school. You sing in a lot of different languages because the only Eng- English has only like America's only been around for so long and uh English sounds really boring compared to like French and German and Gaelic and Latin so all like they always made me sing in French especially so anyways so like you can tell it's actual Gaelic that they're speaking and they're actually speaking an aboriginal language which apparently that language is pretty much dead it's like Latin yeah. but I'm I'm glad that this movie's keeping it alive because like hey, like, maybe 50 years from now, maybe it really will be dead, and this movie will be keeping it alive because somebody still knows it. And I thought that attention to detail was great. So great attention to detail, a really powerful movie, really great performances by everybody. Nobody was, like, bad. I, everybody seemed like they actually lived in the 1820s, 1830s. I wasn't... Nobody took me out of the movie. Yeah. Like, and I think it's totally worth the watch. So I'm giving it, at, 
I'm giving it a 9 out of 10 because it was a little lengthy. I would yeah. give it a 10 out of 10 if it wasn't so lengthy. It was a little bit... It dragged on a bit, but it's totally worth it just to watch it once. Yeah. It's a, so very, I, it's a very solid A movie, I would say. Yeah. I'm sad it hasn't gotten more press, but I'm glad we're doing it because maybe people will want to watch it because it... I will say, like, I feel like I didn't hear about it and I wouldn't have heard about it. I wouldn't have wanted to watch it if I hadn't seen it on somebody on like a review channel where people exactly. mentioned it. And exactly. honestly, even the bigger names that I watch didn't mention it. It was like a, 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 I think it was Amanda the Jedi on YouTube mentioned it. And I don't watch that much of her stuff, but I happened to be watching an episode and she was like, oh, it was like the Nightingale. And I had seen that movie pop up and I didn't really know what it was about. And then I went back, I was like, oh, Oh, that looks interesting. But it was all, like, controversial. Like, oh, it's yeah. so violent. And I was like, well, but is it good? Because I can handle violence if it serves a purpose. And it, it does. does. So you really feel like you're living in, in 1820s Australia. It's yes. pretty, pretty brutal. But um, I would highly recommend it. And I guess with that, we'll have to sign off. So I hope you had fun uh, listening yeah. to us talk about this really depressing movie but it's really good and you should totally watch it i feel like we need to throw in some fun horror movies too or some fun movies so we're not completely depressing (laughs) and we definitely want you guys to um if you ever want to leave in the comments if there's a movie that you guys are like hey i would love to hear you guys talk about this movie or have you seen this one um we we love recommendations not only for the blog but just as cinephiles as movie fans we always want to have things on our radar because and of course if you just really want to hear us talk about it um, I don't think me nor Katie would be against sitting down watching something and just bringing all of our thoughts to the table on it either yeah and it, it doesn't have to be a new movie it doesn't have to be an old movie it doesn't have to it doesn't have to even be like even though we're two girls it doesn't have to have a feminist spin even though I feel like we've talked about mostly female driven movies but you know that's because we're girls um, but it yeah. can be a movie, and I think uh, it would be good to have suggestions because we're going to go for the ones that we like. And, you know, it might be interesting to see some movies that maybe we don't like as much, or maybe we'll find out we like them and we didn't think we were going to like them. So, oh, yeah. you know, send us a comment and tell us what you want us to watch, what you want us to review. And, like, if if you would like to hear anything different from us, uh uh, comments are always welcome. I, yeah. I love constructive criticism as long as it's in the written form. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please don't leave us a video message yelling at us. <laughs> I always, I always take in college. I was always given my notes for performances in note form. Those were always my favorite directors because then I could go sit and if I really fucked up a scene, I could go be upset about it without anyone else knowing about it. You know, comment, let us know if you have any suggestions, anything else you want to hear about. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to sign off. So be good. Stay safe out there, people. And uh, keep watching for more. Bye, friends. Have a good night. Bye. Love you guys. Thanks for watching. Take care. Take care. Watch the movies. Thanks for listening. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is recorded by Brittany Ray and Katie Dales and edited by Katie Dales. 
Uh, if you have any inquiries or questions for us, please visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. All rights reserved.